0: Good morning to you. We, uh, we live in a world that is ravaged by flood. And if you keep track at all of what's going on around the world and recently in Mexico, waters and rains keep coming and people are stranded by flood and stuck. And all throughout the world, Katrina left people stuck on a pole where they couldn't get out. Floods came rushing through and forms of rivers and cars were swept away, and people holding on to, to cars just to survive. Houses flooded to the rooftops, and this gentleman waiting in his attic, all helpless, all in need of someone to rescue them. And the Scripture says, but now a righteousness from God has come. One who is the Savior. One who will rescue us. One who pulls us out of the depths of sin, out of the muck and the mire. And as the helicopter flies in and releases its ladder that we would just take a hold. And the righteousness of God comes in and grabs us and rescues us. And all that's taking place in the world is reflective of our lives without Christ. The floods that sweep through and and we cannot control and they consume us and and they take over our lives and they leave us, On a pole, or they leave us stranded. And yet, as we study Romans this morning, we see, but now our righteousness from God has come. And He can come any way He wants in a helicopter. But being God, He just reaches out and He says, Will you take my hand, beloved child? I want relationship with you. Don't stay in this flood anymore. That's the good news this morning. We've had three chapters of Paul trying to show us who we are. That we are ones who are sinners. That we are ones who are in need of a Savior. That we are ones who cannot do it on our own. We cannot save ourselves. That no matter our position, whether Greek or Jew or wherever our standing is in this world, that alone in itself does not save us. You can only try so much, try so hard in your works, and you come again to realize that you're still stranded on the pole. And so for three chapters, Paul has been trying to Share with us and and show us who we are. And what I get the privilege of this morning is but now the good news. Life in Christ, if we will just take his hand. Because he will rescue us out of our pit of despair. And that's how the scripture starts out this morning. But now a righteousness from God that is apart from the law has been made known, it has been revealed, it has come to which the law and the prophets testify. And as we look at this section, what we're going to see in in much of this passage again are a lot of theological words. A lot of words that Christians have used over the years, and and to be honest, a lot of us are left going, I still don't understand quite what it's saying. And so we're going to try, as Paul tries to give us the good news, to understand what he's saying, to take some of the bigger words and to, to break them down into simple truth, yet some of the most powerful truth that we'll ever encounter. He says, now this righteousness has come. And often times when we, when we think of righteousness, we think of, of our behavior, we think of, of, of living out good things, and, and so that our moral behavior is, is righteous. And we, we look at people who are doing good things uh, in Christ, and we say that that's a righteous person, and we often kind of go right to that. And that's part of it. But righteousness has this wonderful, deep, Rich truth, righteousness, that which is right, that which is true, that which is pure. Now a righteousness from God, that which was meant to be from the beginning. That relationship that was meant to be from the beginning of time. Setting things right between you and I and the Lord. Setting things right within ourselves and, and who we are in Christ. Setting things right with one another in relationship. That which is wholly set apart. Righteousness from God has now come. And it speaks to the character of God. Of who he is. And in this text, I think what he's pointing to is it's not so much about what we do living out our righteousness. But it's about who you and I are in Christ, in the character of God. That this free gift has been given. This ladder has been dropped down. And it's offered to you to receive it. And when we receive it, and and as you saw some of the pictures, and and they were were brought in and they were rescued and, and pulled into the helicopter and they were able to stay there. We have, in Christ Jesus as we humble ourselves before our God, to say, you alone are the only one who can rescue me. He says, I've given you right standing before me. You can come into the Holy of Holies and stand before the living, holy God because he has offered that gift to us. But now a righteousness from God. And, and, and down at the core of that word is a worth, don't we all long for that? That I have worth? Don't you, don't you see little children looking to their daddies and, and, and am I valuable? Are you proud of me? Are you, are you pleased with me? Do you see what God is offering you through His Son, Jesus Christ? This righteousness from God. This worth From God has said, I am pleased with you. Come into my arms. Jesus, I break open the clouds and I declare, I am pleased with you. You've done nothing yet. Because the righteousness of God has come. And Jesus, that's what you are. This is the good news dear body. This is the good news that we bring to a broken world. Looking for worth. Looking for life. Looking for truth. Caught up in the flood of sin that consumes them and they can't get out of. This beautiful worth before God. But now a new relationship with the living God has come. And you can call me Abba Daddy. Second Corinthians five twenty one. And God made him who had no sin to be sin. He took it all. For you and for me, so that in Him, in Christ Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. The character, the the worth, the value, the life. It has been bestowed upon us because in Him He took it. And when He brings it to us, He offers us this gift. A righteousness, a way to be set right. Right. And what he says is this is apart from the law. That's the good news. Man, we keep trying. Man, we keep trying. You know, it's interesting during the world wars and in the German concentration camps, Auschwitz and Dachau. This was the entrance And what the sign says up above? It says this. It says "Arbeit, macht frei." Arbeit macht frei. Work makes you free. Work will make you free. It sets you free. And this is what they spoke to the Jews as they came in and worked. Work harder and you will be free. And they led them to their death. But now a righteousness from God has come to say, No, that is death. And nothing but death to say I can do enough, to say somehow I can save myself, somehow I can get off this pole, and and I'm I'm sure I'll be okay. Somehow I can stand before the living, holy God on my own. And God says, no, you cannot. Because I have sent a righteousness from God that is the only way. And work does not set you free. That is the lie of the enemy into your life. And you and I buy into that, don't we, sometimes? Our self-righteousness. Boy, we think we're all that sometimes. He says, nothing from you. It's all me. It's all that I've done. This incredible love story of God from the beginning of time. It's all me. Will you receive the gift? because this righteousness from God has now come, because you are sinners in need of a Savior. We cannot do it. We can't keep the commandments. Harry Blameyers said this in the Christian life, Nothing at all can be purchased at the do-it-yourself shop. As followers of the living God, as followers of Jesus Christ, nothing at all can we purchase at some do-it-yourself shop. It is completely apart from the law, this righteousness of God. And that is the good news. We thank God for that. The good news of righteousness. And this righteousness has been foretold. We've been waiting for it. The law testifies to it, the Scriptures say. And the way that it testifies to it is that we can't keep the law. We can't do it. And it speaks forth every time. We look at the law and we go, Ah! I messed up again. I can't do it. And so it shouts forth, You need a Savior. You need one who can do it for you. You need one to rescue you out of the raging waters. The sacrificial system created this longing for the Messiah. The prophets cried out. King David in Psalm 32 says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. The Lord does not count them against us. Well, how do we receive this righteousness? What does it look like for us? It says, This righteousness alone comes from God. And it comes to all who believe, all. Everybody. Doesn't matter where you're at in life. Each and every one of us. To all who believe, who have faith, a trust. To say, I believe Jesus is who He says He is. I believe Jesus came and I, I believe He died on the cross for my sin. I have faith that He rose again and, and His offering to me is righteousness, life in Him. It comes to all who would humbly come before God and admit that. And confess that. And receive the gift of Jesus. It comes to all who believe. There is no difference, the scriptures say to us. Verse 23, why? Because we all sin. Again, he's bringing us back to the first three chapters. We all sin and we fall short of the glory of God. Try hard enough, we still fall short. It could be by one vote. I just read about this one guy. One vote. And he missed it. Still miss it. Or it could be by leaps and bounds, thousands of votes. But you still fall short. Nothing gets you even close. If his wife had only voted, apparently. But his wife ain't getting them in either. All fall short of the glory of God. You know what's interesting, again, and this is where we struggle. We, we are capable people. We, are, we try to be good, you know. We want to be good, I think, most of us. I think we want to live for Christ. And yet we struggle again with just the whole sin issue. How bad of a sinner am I really? Come on. I'm pretty good. And, and even in culture today, to, to call someone a sinner is actually not really politically, spiritually correct almost. To talk about hell is, is a struggle for a lot of people. What hell? No, that's we don't want to criticize them. God says there's separation from me if you don't believe upon me. You will stay in the flood and it will kill you. You know it's interesting. There is uh, there was a group uh, of teachers in in Britain, and they were the professional associations uh, of teachers and a lot of what was happening is they they were accused of kind of dumbing down tests so everybody could could sort of get through and what they were starting to find is you know what what they said is listen we need to we need to take out the word fail from the language of school because it it really is having long term effects on the on the success of these students And so they say, what we want to do in Britain is we want to replace the word fail with deferred success. <laughs> it's no joke. <laughs> we don't want them to be, to be hurt in the long term. We don't want to label pupils that way because it would be destructive. And to be honest, sometimes we want that for us. We don't want to take a look at our sin, and so we call it deferred obedience, <laughs> delayed righteousness. Let's just call it what it is. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we need a Savior And the world, even though sometimes they will deny that, and maybe even you and I sometimes struggle with admitting that, we need a Savior. And the good news is, but now a righteousness from God has come. The helicopter has showed up. And He will rescue us from the flood if we will receive Him. And our failure can be turned into freedom. That's the good news. Freedom in Christ. And Paul goes and says, there's only one way, and it is faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. There is no other way. He's the only one who can, creator of the universe, lover of our souls, longing for relationship with us, the only one who has the power of resurrection. He's it it's faith in Jesus Christ. It's not what Jesus taught. It's not what He did. But it's who He is. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. And we need Him desperately. You know what I love about the gift? The gift involves this beautiful relationship with a real person. The Son of God. And you know what I love about the gift? That we get to continue this relationship for all of eternity. It starts now, and it continues on, forever and ever and ever. Life in Christ. Forgiveness in Christ. And again, at some point, we've got to get on bended knee and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I want to trust you. And I kept thinking I could do it on my own, but I cannot anymore. And I humbly give my life to you, Lord Jesus. That's what he offers to us. And he says, yes. Welcome. I paid that price. Yes, come into my family. You are saved. You are free. You're no longer enslaved to sin. The floods will not ravage you anymore. Your life is mine. That's the good news. A Savior who has given us the gift, if we will take it, take the rope, get into the boat. He doesn't want you to drown. And you know, again, a lot of times we struggle, right? We struggle with, well, what must I do still to receive this? There must be, there must be some sort of catch. What's this free gift that is offered? We are justified. This verse 24, you've you got to hold on to this. For we all fall short, but listen, we all, it actually has that idea, and we all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Him, verse 25, as a sacrifice of atonement and through faith in His blood. That's the good news about grace. We are justified freely freely by grace. Justified, again, one of those big words that we hear a lot. Justified simply means it's a legal term, and it means you are, the judge goes, slams his gavel down and says you're not guilty. You are justified. And not only are you not guilty, but your record is clean. When we go to check in the public records, it doesn't have you there. And the Lord says, I covered that. I washed it. My blood has taken care of it. You are justified. You know, again, it's amazing. We all long for this this life that says, I'm not guilty. And again, we keep trying to figure out a way to, to buy that or a way to work it out. There's this man named Rogers uh, Caldenhand, and he was a guy who... Uh, he, uh, he, he, was a, he gathered uh, names for you know, the web. He would kind of gather domain names, and then he would sell them to make a profit. And one of the names that he gathered early... Before the Pope was Pope was Benedict the Sixteenth dot com. He had sold another one that was uh, for Pope John Paul, and he got about twenty thousand for that one. And so he had this one, Benedict the Sixteenth, and uh, or another gentleman had sold the Pope John one. He he had gotten this Benedict one, and and what happened is is the 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 Vatican came to him and said, hey, we'd love to get this and. And uh, he was a Catholic himself. He's like, Well, I'm not going to sell it to you uh, to make a profit. He goes, But I would like to negotiate a few things. He said, I'll give you the domain site. But he <laughs> this is what he said he wanted. He said, I want one of those hats that the Pope wears. <laughs> he said, I want a free stay at the Vatican Hotel. And this was the biggie. And he says, I want complete absolution, no questions asked, for the third week of March 1987. Some of us have weeks like that, don't we? Man, we long to be washed clean, to be declared not guilty. And now this righteousness from God has come and said, not guilty. You don't have to try to buy it from me. You don't have to manipulate God. You don't have to see God look what I've done. And and so hopefully we're even now. That my good works and, and my bad kind of are balancing out, and hopefully my good are getting better. Which a lot of the world says. And maybe sometimes in our spirituality, we sort of are playing that. I did enough good. He says, Oh, you're not guilty. Not guilty. But we all want that. And that's what Christ offers. No cost. You are justified freely. Nothing. Nothing from you. And we struggle with that. Nothing's free. But it is. You have been justified freely. Here is a gift. Will you receive it every day for God? Is this Christmas present? Will you open it up? It's the gift of my son here. Take it. Receive it. And yet somehow we, we again try to, to manipulate. We try to buy it. And all we do is we, we, we kick Jesus in the gut. Don't we? Your payment is not enough. You know, it's like, I shared this with my growth group, uh, with the growth group leaders. It's kind of like, let's say, let's say your, uh, your son and, and, and daughter-in-law, they wanted to take you on a trip. Maybe it was your 50th anniversary, and they just wanted to take you and wherever you wanted to go, and they wanted to spoil you because they love you. And so they fly you to who knows where, a beautiful spot that you wanted to go. And you, and you get off the plane, and then you say to your son, well, let me, let me at least carry the luggage. Because, you know, I mean, you bought the whole trip, I'll carry the luggage. Hey, let me, let me at least get dinner. Let me, let me at least, you know, take care of half the hotel room. Doesn't that insult them? Won't you just let me love you? Won't you just let me buy this? Let me pay for this. You are justified freely by grace. It is a gift to you. We keep trying to buy it. Keep trying to have some ownership in it. Stop adding baptism. Stop adding extra filling of the Spirit. Stop adding membership. Stop adding, adding, adding. There's not one thing that we do. Zippo. Nada. There's nothing we can add except to receive Him. We don't contribute a thing. How is it that we are declared not guilty? It means we Are redeemed. Redeemed has the word agora in it. Agora is is the marketplace in the Greek. You're taken out of the slave market and you are bought at a price. My dad always says of my Moroccan mother, that's where he got his wife, on the slave market in Morocco. (laughs) He goes, I bought her. No, I get the mother-in-law as well, but I got the whole deal. <laughs> but that's what was going on at times. Slave market. He says, "I've paid the price for you." The idea is sometimes children were put into slavery because there was a debt owed, and the next of kin could at some point eventually be the one who would pay the price to get the child back. There is no closer kin. Than our loving Father, who says you are redeemed. How do you get declared not guilty? Because I have bought you. I've bought you with the blood of my Son, Jesus. You are no longer your own. You are bought with a price. You know, during this Veterans Day, and as we've been seeing things on TV, many of the veterans will say, of Chuck or of Sam or whatever, I owe them my life. They covered me. They pulled me up out of the hole and and bombshells were coming. They literally threw their body on top of me. I owe them my life. That's what we owe God. Our whole being, we owe Him. We are no longer our own. We are bought with a price. And when we say yes to this, our life is His, His life is ours. And what is true of Christ is true of us. And we have life in Him and our righteousness from God has come. That's the good news. And for some reason we still want to hold on to the pole. And I know God is busting through mankind. You know what the truth is about our God? He does not stop pursuing. He keeps bringing the helicopter in and saying, will you receive? Why do you keep trying to live life on your own? Why do you keep kicking against me? Will you receive my love? Paid with. Paid for. Redeemed. And when we are redeemed again, we can look to nothing but the cross. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Look at this, dear brothers and sisters. Look at all that takes place. You are justified freely. You are justified by His grace. You are made right through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement or propitiation through faith in His blood. How is it that we struggle? Because we do. But sometimes when you really step back and you go, as we look at who God is and who His Son is, And yet, sometimes we go, I'm not sure if I have salvation. I know what I did in March of 1987. I'm not sure if God can save me from that. And we wrestle. We wrestle with who we are in Christ. And we think as though somehow, after all that God did for us, that somehow, once we have given our lives to Him, that we can wrestle out of that? Wait, you, you set me right. You bought me with a price. All by grace, I deserve death, but you gave me life. You, you gave me atonement. You made me one with you, and, and now I have life in you, and it's only because of you, nothing from me, and yet I'm not sure if I'm really saved after all you did for me. I guess I just want to give you assurance. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, your life is in Christ. John 10, nothing snatches you out of my hand. Nothing. Not even yourself. So, dear prodigal son, know who I am as your father. Come back from March of 1987 and let me embrace you. That's who we are in Christ. The good news is we are at one. I use that little at one mint. We are made at one with Christ. We are at peace with Christ. And so God says through Paul, but now a righteousness from God has come. Will you receive the gift? And I want those of you who need a Savior, I want you to pray with me right now to receive him. Because you will be stranded on the pole. Your life of trying to be good enough will lead to nothing but death. And he says, I know you're March 1987, and, and I want to forgive you and cleanse you from that. The shame and the guilt and the weight And I give you life in Christ. And I never let you go. You're my child. Just pray that with me, if that's where your heart is at this morning. Father, forgive me. Forgive me for for thinking I can do it on my own. Forgive me for for just... uh, kicking against you, Lord, as you've reached out to my life. Father, I hear you. I hear you calling me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying the price for all that I've done against you. Father, I praise you that you have rose again and that you call me right now to believe upon you. And Father, I do. I ask you, Lord Jesus, would you be Lord of my life? Would you make your dwelling my heart? And so, Father, Jesus, I give you my life right now. Thank you, Father, for cleansing me. Thank you that you have declared me not guilty. Thank you that you love me in all of my mess. Thank you that I'm a child of yours, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this new family that I have come into. Lord Jesus, I want to live for you. Help me to do that. I surrender my life to you, Father, and I thank you for the gift of salvation. I love you, Jesus. Amen.